so we have here James and Paige, and this is going to be fun because we get to ask some questions. We've got um, some different questions I thought it'd be helpful just to hear some of their thoughts on. And we've also got some questions that were submitted during this week. Um, so we won't be able to get to all the questions because quite a few have come in, but we'll do. We'll answer some questions now. And then any questions we feel like honor answered after tonight, after once y'all submitted, et cetera, um, we'll send out some sort of resource uh, a week or two after this conference to answer some of those questions. So again, hopefully you got that QR code earlier. If you want to submit any questions you have or come to mind, even this last part of the session, or you, we also sent out an email link earlier that you can, you can click on if you want to submit a question as well in that way. So James and Paige, thank you for being here. Um, do you mind just introducing yourselves real quick? Sure. Um, I'm James Fraley. Um, this is my wife, Paige. We've been married 31 years and we have two um, children. Hannah is 29 and Asher is 26. Uh, so we're empty nesters. And maybe that's one of the reasons we're here to talk about Life Stages because we've got a little bit, uh, we've gone down the road a little bit. And, or a lot a bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just, in a good way. A little bit. In a good way. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, both of our kids got married in the last year, uh, eight months apart in the last year and a half. So mm, that was yeah. wonderful. Now we have four. That's exciting. <laughs> like, yes, our, our family's, family's, gro our family's yes. growing. Not grandparents yet, but... <laughs> But who knows? Yeah. Wait and see. So very exciting. So y'all, of course, um, are bringing some of that parenting experience. Um, of course, y'all know a lot of things we talked about today. Y'all would be able to speak on to just knowledge of your your knowledge of the Bible and just how to approach that with kids. But I know just with your experience too, that's just invaluable for us to just learn from. Um, some of the questions that were submitted, I'll just share some with you one at a time, just to pick your brain on some things. But um, the first question I wanted to ask y'all, just kind of when you think about the big picture hope for your kids, like what what did that look like for y'all? Okay, I'll start with that. Um, it's really a great question because you you definitely need to have the goal in mind. Um, you need to keep in mind what what you're doing here, and is it to raise successful kids that are super talented and get the best grades? Um, that is really secondary to raising kids that have a heart for God. And so our primary goal was to instill in our children a love for the Lord and that they would leave our home prepared um, to find their place in God's kingdom, uh, constantly uh, teaching them and trying to get them to have a picture of God's world and where they would fit in that, um, to instill wisdom in them, that they would make uh, right choices when they leave our home. Um, yeah, and I think that that's, that's clearly our first and primary goal. But um, in addition to that, and secondary to that, a, kind of a selfish goal was we wanted them to be wise so that we could be glad. And that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a proverb. It says, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. That's Proverbs 10.1. And, of course, I think every parent would love to see their children grow up wise. But that's secondary, I think, to them being rightly related. In fact, there's a connection, I think, um, 
biblical wisdom is being rightly related to their maker. And so we wanted them to be, um, of course, well-adjusted and contributing in society, but most importantly, be rightly related to the Lord and to be um, employing their talents and their training towards his kingdom purpose. I would also add to that because a lot of what's been talked about tonight is identity and that their identity would be rooted in who they are in Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to be. And even, I, I didn't think it was necessary probably maybe raising our kids, but today to just can affirm their identity that you, God made you a girl, God made you a boy, God look at what a wonderful creation and and even through the time you're raising them confirm that identity yeah yeah absolutely no that's really good as you think about um just some of the different life stages of parenting how would you kind of summarize some of those life stages okay um i think if you look at books and other sources there's a lot of different ways to break this up but we kind of boiled it down to mainly um, two stages and that was training and teaching because God's word says to train up a child in the way that they should go and and then the um, scripture that Eric said that you bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord so there's basically two different ideas there training I would say between infancy and about 12 years old, your main job is to be training them. Um, and a, a big part of that is control. To set to at the very beginning, you've got to establish who is in control here, who's in charge, because their sin nature and just their willfulness will take over. And I think it was mentioned that the child is not the center of your home. <laughs> and as much as they want to be and get all the attention, um, they have to uh, see where they fit in the family plan and that you are the authority as their parents. You have been given that God, that God-given authority and right to rule in their hearts. And so the first part of that is um, training them to submit their will to your will. And um, yeah, yeah so if if training was birth till 12, maybe 13 through the time they leave the home would be I would characterize by teaching. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not like a switch gets thrown at age 12. The emphasis is training at the beginning, but it tapers off gradually and training be or teaching begins at at birth or, or, or one year old, you're teaching them simple things. But as their minds begin to get more sophisticated and they're able to process abstract ideas, you're, you're going to need to ratchet up your teaching and giving them good, sound, biblical answers to the why questions. And you don't need to know all of the answers. It's okay to say, I'll research that with you and come back. Um, but I think that uh, a key idea about teaching that we tried to do in our home um, was just to use the home as an informal classroom all the time. And this concept comes out in Deuteronomy 6. It says when you know, Moses is, 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 teach, is, is telling them, the people of Israel, teach these commandments all the time. When you're walking by the way, when you're sitting down, when you're going to bed, when you're getting back up. So I, I just take that when I'm riding in the car, when I'm playing catch, when I'm doing chores, when I'm asking them to help, 
you know, throughout the day, every day is a is a classroom period of time. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's the way we um, we really loved the idea of just being real and authentic with our children. And, uh, you know, this all presupposes that you're modeling it yourself. And you've heard that repeated, I think, uh, tonight several times. Your children will see right through duplicity. So you need to be modeling in your own life those very qualities that you're seeking to pass on to your children. That's good. That's really yeah. good. Well, y'all mentioned uh, discipline a second ago. One of our questions we have, it says, if I discipline my children, won't that cause them to not love me? Wow. I'll take that. Um, this is maybe how you feel, but let's bounce it off of God's word because the truth is um, his word says that Discipline is related to love. It's, in fact, a, a sign of love. Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates the son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. So it actually says the opposite of that, that your discipline of your child is evidence that you care for him, that you, you care enough to help him become whom God wants him to be. Um, Another verse, Proverbs 3, My son, don't despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves. So God himself connected that. His, his discipline and his reproof of us is evidence of his love for us. And we see that not just in the book of Proverbs, but um, Hebrews chapter 12 describes this in, in great detail. So actually, it's the other way around. You know, your discipline will demonstrate to your child that you love them. And eventually, they will respect you for it. And I think that that, that gives evidence to what biblical discipline really is. It's not venting of anger. It's, a, um, it's an expression of love for them, and it's never done in the heat of the emotion with anger. Mm -hmm. That's good. Another thing on that is just to keep, keep the goal in mind of discipline. And there's, two, there's basically um, two commands that are given to children. Obey your parents and honor your father and your mother. And in order for them to do that, um, you know, that you, you are disciplining them. And setting the groundwork for really gaining their respect so that you can teach them. They, they, they will listen to you, and they'll respect your word. Yeah, we didn't really emphasize that earlier, but those two right. phases of uh, training and then teaching, um, your teaching will be so much more effective if you have your children respecting your words. And so respect is built during those training period, training years. Yeah, yeah. very good, very good. Another one of the questions we've got here, how much did you control your kids' friend group, music they listen to, et cetera? So just different mm -hmm. things like that involving your kids. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that we probably controlled it a lot more than our children wanted us to. <laughs> um, yeah, they, especially during the training years, um, they did not have their own electronic devices. 
um, who their friends were were really kind of chosen by us. Um, and in fact, we were talking to our son last night, the 26-year-old, and we were telling him what we were going to be doing tonight, and we were just kind of asking him his thoughts about his upbringing, and, and would you believe he, he spoke to this very thing, and he said, I want to thank you um, for choosing who my friends were. Mm, um, wow. He has lived long enough to see the consequences of some of the other friends and the, and the paths that they have gone to. And it's, it's, it, was, it was affirming to us to know that, uh, you know, we weren't just being over heavy handed, but it was done in love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of y'all just make a note of that because some of you have uh, kids that they're not real happy with where you're steering them or friends they're spending time with. So just make a note of that. Like that's exciting to hear about that um, mm-hmm. as an adult that he he noticed that and appreciates that. Yeah. Um, Asher's best friend, you know, their family, we just know they have the same values that we have. And so when that's just... Um, yeah, with many of their friends, they kind of know what the rules are. <laughs> they all agree on that because they were raised the same way. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Um, <laughs> when you think about some of those different life stages, what does that discipleship look like in some of those different stages? Like just think about some practical ways you've um, discipled your kids in each stage. Yeah. Um, this is just so important. Um, just, yeah, we've talked about the big overview of what that looks like, but let's just give you some details. I think from the very beginning, you, Christ is, the, if the Christ is the center of your home, you're talking about him all the time. Going back to Deuteronomy 6, um, and it's natural. You're walking along the way. Uh, that means it's just a natural part of your dialogue in your home. Um, we, especially reading to your children, this is something that we loved. We read to them the Beginner's Bible, and in fact, that was our kids' like first book that they read aloud to us. Um, they practically had it memorized. And then we read missionary biographies uh, were really instrumental. And I think of one example, um, James rarely had to work late, got home by six o'clock or something, but 7.30 or 8, he calls me, and I'm, I'm he's working at Lockheed. He's got a, a major problem. He's like, I cannot figure out this problem, and I was, I remember exactly where I was standing in the utility room with my, our son, and we hung up the phone, and I said, let's pray for daddy, and so we just asked God to help him, and like five minutes later, he calls us, and he said, I found my problem. And our son was just, what? <laughs> that God just answered that prayer. And why don't you speak to that? Because you said it was really like, you just don't yeah, understand. Yeah, I think how. it was actually like 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. It was a long, long day. And I was looking for a problem in a large code that would be about like a 500-page book. And I was looking for what would be equivalent to a misspelled word in all of that. And I got off the phone with Paige really exhausted in every possible way. And I just lifted my eyes up and there in the center of my screen was my problem. And I just could not believe it. (laughs) It really was a miracle. And so I think we need to take these opportunities to connect God's work 
in our lives with what I call sometimes a faith handle. To give your children a handle to hold on to, that was, that was evidence that God worked in my life. And so... You, you, yeah. want to, you want to take those opportunities. Yeah. And then I think also that, you know, the gospel just needs to be lived out in your home. When we make mistakes, we need to be able to confess them to our kids and go through that whole process of, you know, confession and forgiveness and restored relationship. So just living out that aspect of discipleship, um, being willing to tell them when we've messed up. Um, and also, we just we had a heart for the nations from the very beginning of our marriage. And so I don't know what God in, has gifted you, but bring that into your home. So we had uh, people from other nationalities always in our home. And so our kids just got this understanding that they're part of a bigger story um, than just our family. They're part of God's story. And just... I don't know, widen their view of the world and how God's working. One other point, I know that we're, we're going to go fast here, but um, speaking about just discipling your children and, and having an active role in that, um, when our son uh, was really throughout his elementary and middle school years, it seemed as though he was spiritually insensitive. Um, he wasn't resistive, he wasn't rebellious, but there just didn't seem a lot of spark there. And um, it was concerning for us as parents. Uh, we desired to send him to a camp um, between his junior and senior year called Summit up in Colorado Springs. It's a worldview camp. It's a two-week program and was highly recommended by a number of families that have had kids go there. And so we kind of tricked him to go there. How would you like to go on a two-week vacation to Colorado? And well, you're going to go with a good friend of yours. And said, sure. And <laughs> and eventually he found out where he was going. But I want to just say he came back from that two weeks um, radically different, and the spark was there. And so you need to you need to allow other respected spiritual authorities to speak into your children's lives. Recruit it. Make it happen. Make the intersections as best, best you can. God has put you in a very influential role in your children. Um, make full use of those um, influences that you have. Um, he came back uh, changed. He, um, God dealt with him in a key sin area that was holding him back. Um, it launched him on a path towards passionately pursuing Jesus Christ. It's mm. mm -hmm. good. It's really good. I've got a few more questions. We're going to do like a lightning round. Does that work for y'all? Okay. <laughs> we're we're going to hit a few more questions here real quick before we have some discussion at our tables. Um, I picked a real easy one from one of the submitted questions. So this one's this should be pretty simple. What do I do if uh, my parents, the grandparents, are acting like they're your kids' parents? Real easy, right? <laughs> Yeah. So uh, both of us, we talked about this and we really felt the same thing. And the first thing I would do is ask, well, why are they acting like this? And I'm assuming that these people are saying they're, they're, they're disciplining or they're giving too much instruction. And so the first question is, um, I, I, and I don't know the situation, maybe they're just super controlling, but if this is out of characteristic 
then they need to ask themselves, why? Um, and do I have a blind spot in my parenting that my, my parents are trying, just feel the need to step in? Um, so ask why. Um, and am I establishing respect for my, my parents, the grandparents? Um, that respect for authority is not just for a child's parents, but we, and we've kind of lost that in our society of, of respecting elders and respecting, you know, gr even grandparents need to be respected. And then um, two, just humbly ask the, the parents um, why they're acting that way, maybe seek their advice, and humbly asking them to respect your way and your position. So good, good. Would you add anything? Okay. Good. Oh, lightning. Good. No, that's <laughs> okay. great. That's great. Um, when you think about difficult conversations with kids, any quick tips on approaching those? So, uh, example, um, someone said they had to explain human trafficking to their 12-year-old. How do you approach having a difficult conversation with your kids? Yeah, real quick, I would just say um, you could you could consider a difficult conversation a unique opportunity. There's another way to kind of cast that. Um, I like that. We are in a fallen someone write world. write that down for me. <laughs> We're in a fallen world. Sin is, this is a battlefield. Uh, there's some, there's human evil that is unspeakable. Now, I, I would want to protect my youth, my child that has, um, that is in a tender age, in a young age. I don't want to create anxiety and fear that is unnecessary for that age. But if they're at the age where it's possible, um, I think in this question, it was like a 12 year old. I would say that's right in that middle area where it's probably it's probably right for you to let them know there is human evil that is unspeakable. You are on God's side. We're on the side that is working towards redemption, and, and you may even want to play a role. What if this young child, being aware of this, could start praying for it, maybe raise awareness of it, and begin to be in the battle fighting against that horrible thing? Yeah. 